My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I was speaking to him, I think the, the next day, and he said, we're talking about this school, and I said, yeah, I'm all done. He goes, okay, tomorrow you're on the sites. So from full time, so... This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Fayyad Fayyad, co-founder of property development agency Ellison Property. Fayyad's experience with construction began when his dad pulled him into the workforce after his exams finished. Learn how he climbed his way through the ranks of the company to develop large-scale projects with over 15,000 units. After years of experience working as part of his father's company, Fayyad and his brother took the plunge and launched their own business last year. The way I approach my business is that I, I work for my business and I work for my staff. So what that means is that my I don't have a typical day, a day in the life or I don't have a typical, apart from my uh, um, set meetings that I have with various different um, team leaders, my day usually consists of um, attending to the business's needs. So whether that might be um, attending a construction site to to make some decisions out there, or, or give some guidance, or or jumping into a sales meeting to to help help um, advice, or or just I, I guess roaming around the office and making sure everything's okay, and and, and dealing with any questions, you know. So I'm very um, responsive to emails, I guess, um, and very. Um, I don't like to have so much of a structured day apart from my timings um, but what my days consist of is really um, attending to business and staff needs. Being co-founders, how did Fayyad and his brother split the responsibilities of the business? Currently, um, um, my title in the business is is co-founder so uh, we haven't at the moment um, uh, decided on having typical structure my brother and I so uh, we've decided at the moment it, it may change in the future but at the moment we we'd like to be um, dual um, dual founders and then have uh, we have a general manager um, that oversees uh, uh, the operations and then uh, with him there is uh, the general the the team leaders whether that be in planning sales marketing um, so it's a very flat structure we, we don't like to be very um, 
uh, hierarchical. So it's uh, it's very just um, whatever you need to get the job done. That's all we need. It's not about um, setting up a myriad of reporting lines. It's just let's get the job done. So that lends itself to us, um, Ramon and I, to be co-founders, which is more um, more practical, I guess, rather than a typical CEO sort of arrangement. Absolutely. I mean, you, you guys have, have had a very interesting background in your history, um, working in property development for you know pretty much your whole life, and you've grown up in that family of it. But let, let's jump back then to talk a little bit about yourself personally and get to know you. Um, maybe let's firstly start off with uh, where did you grow up? Firstly, so I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, so where we are now, uh, I grew up, I guess, five kilometres down the road. So and just. Uh, maintain maintain the area so yeah that's right um yeah so i haven't haven't gone far from where i've grown up what's it like to actually grow up you know i guess going to school in the area and then also work in the area now that you know you're only five kilometers for where you you grew up in in there what was it like for you to go to school and stuff like that the family has a lot of background in the area so my uncles went to school in the area um my my mother went to school in the area so it's very um i guess it, it it is home, but it actually felt like um, it, it didn't felt that I was brought up in here. It was, it was the family was brought up in here. So the schools I went to, my uncles went to it, um, both primary school and high school. So there was kind of like a, um, I guess the feeling was warm before I actually went into the school. So it was more, um, I guess, uh, what it's like. It's, it's, it's very... It's, I guess, proud. It's, it's, a, it's a very proud feeling um, what it was like to, to grow up in this area and, and to be in this area at the moment. So still there doing business. Um, and uh, my the way I drive to work is the way my mum used to drop me off to go to school. So it's kind of it's same, same road, same, uh, just a bit further down the road. So it's kind of it takes me back memory lane every morning on the way to work. So mum would drive you to school, you'd go down that same path which you drive to work as well. What were some of the fond memories that you had back in the school, say, you know, primary school growing up? There's not much I remember at, at primary school, I guess. Um, I do definitely remember my, my first day and in, in, the, in the tail end of primary school, getting into year four, five and six. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember it being a very, um, it was a very tiny school, so I th- Thing. It was um, there's about 170, 180 students in the school, so it's very close knit. Um, I remember one of my fondest memories of high school, uh, sorry, primary school was um, was the weekend sport, I guess. So I wasn't too um, into. I mean, I was in education, but the the highlight for me was the the weekend sport, which I played rugby league from the ages of. Um, uh, age of four and a half all the way up to 13. So that was that was my whole uh, primary school years. Tell me a little bit more about the rugby side and the sporting side. What what drew you into doing those activities? I think rugby league, I was, um, I was very, um, being in the western suburbs of Sydney, I, I used to follow and I, I still do follow the Parramatta Eels. Um, and I think even... In the early days, maybe even before uh, starting rugby league, I seen that watching it actually meant that it was the thing to do. So 
what I mean was is that I used to watch it on the weekend or like on a Friday night and then it'd be something that I want to aspire to do. So um, naturally being involved and, and, and um, supporting a team and then actually playing for your own team on the weekend, it kind of just it rubbed off on each other. So it was that, like my heroes of the day were on Channel 9 on a Friday night on the on the um on the football field so when i was had the opportunity to play for my school i guess it was just uh, the best uh, w- what i wanted to do um, apart from other sports as well so i guess it was my um the, the level of respect or the level of following i had for the, the the professional footballers on the field watching on tv um just meant that i had to do that um myself so yeah, just following in leadership, following in heroes' footsteps, I guess. That's great. So, did that love of sport continue on all the way through into high school as well? Yeah, it did. But I think when you get older, um, it gets a bit um, not so much physical, but it gets a bit more professional. And I guess um, when I was younger, I was probably the bigger boy in class, so I could just um, my size would do the work. But getting older, uh, it had to be a bit more training three nights a week and and um, went to a great school but it was kind of had to choose where my mindset was going am I going education or am I going um, sporting so uh, because um, our school was so um, um, so I guess dominant and so um, disciplined in their sporting that it was very hard to balance um, both so um, coming back from an ethnic background, I guess the, the, the best way or the, the um, acceptable decision would be go down the education route and leave the um, sporting for um, our younger days, I guess. And I guess going to school as well, did you go to school, the same school as your brother as well? Yeah, we went to the same schools. We were, uh, I guess, six years apart, but we, we followed the same um, paths. So I went to Marist High in Parramatta. For my high school, um, just in Westmead there. Yeah, and what was it like? Because six years apart, usually it would probably be just when he's you're finishing high school, and then he's just starting high school as well. Yeah, so I was um, I um, helped him into kindergarten, and when I was in year six, so we kind of spent a year together at the same school. Then I moved to high school, and then he carried through to primary school, and then um, in high school, actually we didn't cross paths. Well, we did. We didn't actually. I finished before he actually started. So, so let's say we, we finished high school. What what did you do after that? Did you go out and start working, getting some experience or did you also go and further education and studies? So straight after high school, I remember my last HSC exam was on a Thursday um, and uh, my, my father actually, I was speaking to him, I think the, the next day and he said, we're talking about this school and I said yeah I'm all done he goes okay tomorrow you're on the sites so from full time so uh yeah last last exam I can't remember what that was exactly but Thursday was my last exam and Saturday was on the construction site so if my dad found out I finished on Thursday I think I'd be there on a Friday so and I've been at work since so (laughs) gosh you gotta love your dad the next uh January, I was in. Um, I went to do building studies at, at, at Hornsby TAFE, so and did four years there. Finished my um, building course and 
um, yeah, and that, and that was that was that was it for education, formal yep. education, I guess. Yeah. Fahad's family has been in the development space for decades. What was it like for him to grow up around that? I guess um, it was very, very as, uh, aspirational. So my earlier days, even at school, um, being brought up in a, in a a property family, I guess it was very something to um, look up to and, and be proud proud with, um, be proud about. So I guess it was um, it was very easy to be brought up in a in the sense that. Um, I was very proud of it. I was very proud. Um, I was very eager to learn from my father, from my uncles. Um, and it was just, um, I don't know if it was second nature because I um, grew up on the construction sites. So, I mean, even my early days in primary school, my weekends was on on site, Not obviously not because of slave labour, but just to help help my dad like just accompany my dad to the sites and play with the sand and and just wasn't really working but just being in the environment actually um instilled something that um is still with me today so it kind of um it was being in the family definitely wasn't forced on me it was um uh, i was supported in the direction that i took Coming up after the break, Fayad reveals the struggles he faced as a young laborer. It's hard to come in and uh, tell people who are more experienced than you to, to do something that they've done better than you. We learned the efforts he went in order to open his own business. I made a point of uh, dabbling in every um, section of the business, whether that be in marketing or sales or actually getting in um, the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty. We discussed the progression of his father's business over the years. Coming into the company, uh, property development was just done by, I guess, my dad and my uncles and a few um, um, planners and bankers and, and that's it. But but the other 98% of the company were out on the construction sites. And that's coming up next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1% to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a high return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Having been exposed to the development world from a young age, the work came naturally to Fayard when he picked up his first tool. But he had still a lot to learn before he could reach the top. Construction is very, um, uh, I guess, dog eats dog and just very, very, uh, um, very structural, very, um, very uh, tough. I guess um, coming into... I don't know if it's my, the way I was brought up, but I didn't come in as uh, the owner's son, I guess. So I, I started on the construction sites as a labourer, sweeping the units, uh, mixing cement for the the bricklayers. So, um, and I, and I worked my way through the um, the levels that way. So I didn't come in um, from the top 
for a couple of reasons. I guess it's just not my nature to do that. And two, it's hard to come in and uh, tell people who are more experienced than you to, to do something that they've done better than you. So it's kind of, it's it's not very authentic to, to do that. So um, I worked my way through the sites from labourer to leading hand to site foreman, project manager, um, construction manager and where I am now. That's amazing. And how, how long were you working within your, your family's business as well? So I started in 99 when I finished school. Um, so full time from late 99 all the way up to um, last year actually where I was uh, full time in the family until um, right now where uh, Ramon and I have um, um, established our own development company. Yeah, and you would have taken a lot of great experiences in over that period of time to be able to establish something that you know is yours and now your brother's as well too. Yeah, correct. There's a lot of lessons. There's a lot of um, good lessons, hard lessons that um, come out of that. I guess uh, how much is that? Twenty years, twenty plus years, um, that was, um, set us up in in a good um, good frame of mind and and good um, good backing to to set up. Um, something new so it is new but it comes with old and um and tried and tested um processes i guess working on sites wasn't the only thing he did over the years how did fayard prepare to become a business owner himself i made a point of uh, dabbling in every um section of the business whether that be in marketing or sales or actually getting in um the day-to-day the nitty-gritty so that um when i did eventually um were overseeing all of them I could speak to the sales manager as in, in a regard of I've been there, done that sort of thing rather than, well, I'm here, the boss, and just give me your reports and report to me and uh, crack the whip and that sort of thing. So um, I made a, a conscious effort to to um, not spend just an hour in every department but actually spend a good portion of up to months in different departments um, working with the teams Um to get first-hand experience of the ins and outs of every every um, department, and so that it, it set me up so that um, fast forward in the future, it um, allowed me to speak and earn the respect out of um, them receiving, whether it be an instruction or guidance from someone that has um, has been with them and and been in the trenches with them. So that is just so key and fundamental because when people actually understand that you've actually been there done that and you can talk their own language as well too they appreciate and respect it a lot more yeah that's correct and i also i i acknowledge that i've got people around me who are better at me better better at things than what i would be so and that's why they're that's why they're in the business um so Let's face it, spending one month in a sales team is not going to teach you everything. So it does allow you to set uh, frameworks and guidelines and, and give a bit of direction. But at the end of the day, when it gets down to the nuts and bolts, you, you have to rely on people and, and take advice from people. Um, and then I'm, I'd, I'd like to say that I really listen to people and I'm, and I'm not arrogant in that sense where I know best. So. When Fayard joined the business over 20 years ago, it was mainly a construction business. So, it was natural for him to go into that side of the work. I started on the construction sites and the my family's business commenced as a construction 
company, which then evolved into construction and property development. Um, so at the outset, um, from establishment phase, it was uh, it was a contract builder. Um, so I think at the early, when I started um, in the company at, in '99, it was at that stage where the company was more construction and had a little office of development, um, whereas these days it's kind of it's it's flipped the other way around so i guess coming into the company uh, property development was just done by i guess my dad and my uncles and a few um, um planners and bankers and and that's it but but the other 98 percent of the company were out on the construction sites so and that was that at that time that's when i did start in the business so it was kind of natural to be um construction um, and and that's I guess being there. That's that's where I started and spent most of that time. Um, that's probably why I've got that um, I guess uh, uh, construction background um, in me. And I, and I still like to. That's my I guess sense of release. Release now is heading out to a construction site, even if I don't need to um, attend to anything. I just rather than going out for a walk outside, I'd just duck down to the closest construction site and do a few laps through the building there, just as it's really, um, just to get a bit of a recharge. How did the business develop over time? The construction team stayed as it is, if not grew even larger. It's it's the fact that the property then team um, became, it grew. So in terms of um, um, where myself and my father would spend time instead of being 90% construction site and then I guess from four to six at night uh, looking at how the plans are going at council and then um, it became more that um, uh, that became more of our nine to five and so we had to engage um, and employ construction managers um, and project directors to oversee the construction business because we got that pretty much down pat Um, and then we so I guess it didn't evolve into a development um, from construction to development it actually construction remained and development just kind of like it grew another wing i guess in the business it expanded yeah rather than evolve it just expanded um so uh yeah i mean we probably had 98 percent of at early days 98 percent of the staff were on construction sites at two percent in office um and now it's probably Probably 60-40. Fayard explains the difference between property construction and property development. So the developer would buy the site, it would get the approvals, then pass the plans over to the construction side of the business, which is the the, the builder, Um, build the building. The builder would hand it back to the developer, then do what they want to do with it, either sell it, live in it, rent it out or... So I guess the, the best way to explain it would be um, if you were to engage a handyman at your house, um, you are the developer and the handyman is the, the builder. So you actually have the final say. But you rely on the builder's expertise to actually get the job done. So for Ellison Property at this point in time, uh, where, where do you lie at the moment or where does this company lie? Is it more property development and, or still a bit of construction? We like to see it as a property development agency rather than a typical property developer that owns the land and, and, and does everything. Um, 
from planning to sales and as a as a landowner we Ramon and I have consciously set up the business so that it's it's an it's a like an agency model um and with that it's it's set up now it currently provides the property development services for family assets whether that be construction or or office buildings that the family owns and so in our past we've we've always always been approached by other landowners that don't quite know how to get buildings up and running whether that be from a planning to a construction um and we'd always have to turn them back because um working for yourself and then working for someone else there's different dynamics um that it probably there's a lot more reporting when you do the um when you're working for a third party rather than for yourself so Fayad Fayad's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. Join us for part two where we'll talk about the technical aspects of building developments. Structurally, it's it's fairly similar. Um, it's just the, the property, um, whether it, I guess it comes down to zoning as well. Um, so, we buy a lot in the residential areas. We learn about Fayard's personal investment journey. My first uh, development it was an investment property to start with. So, I, was a, I purchased a, um, I guess, a $500,000 um, four-bedroom home on a on a block of land, a typical um, suburban home, cottage, I guess. Fayad shares his experience in hotel development. I don't want to pretend I know it just because I've built a couple of structures before and had um, hotel operators in and around me. I don't pretend that I am a hotel operator. And that's next time on Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.